Hello, and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Aaron with Trivia Smash and Fargo, Trivia Hub Worldwide, and anywhere trivia is kid-tested and parent-approved. I'm Brittany, a.k.a. Ginny Pond on Twitch, a runner of Ginny's Cozy Quiz. And I am Jacob Pine with Hindsight Trivia in Louisville, Kentucky, and on Twitch uh, occasionally. And welcome to the episode. Hooray! Uh, how are you all doing alive. this fine Sunday evening? It is a fine Sunday evening. It's about 80 degrees still at 9 o'clock oh. where I am. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a sweater. But in Louisville, you know all about those kinds of nights. Actually, we have been graced here in Louisville with like a um, somewhat of a break in the humidity. We we got a huge cold front come through, but we're about ready to have uh, some of the hurricane golf stuff coming up from mm. the golf. So it's just always fun here in Kentucky. We just get a taste of everything. So. Yeah, uh, it's like 68 here right now, but I think we found your humidity, so I don't... Yeah, you can uh, keep yeah. it. Uh, no, that's okay. No, I don't <laughs> want it back. It's it's horrendous. You know what? Let's send it to Florida. <laughs> I'm sure we can't possibly alienate anyone in Florida by saying that, right? Sure. No, no, no. Sure See, there's people, no, there's people in Florida we like. Mm -hmm. Well, a few people in Florida we like. We don't want to send it to them. They, they might get upset. <laughs> okay, so where do you want to send it then? South Dakota? Uh, no, I will gladly take some humidity. We are okay. currently in a we are currently in a drought warning. Mm. So any and all rain at this point would be uh, very welcomed. Mm. Okay, well I and will any... take my fan outside and I will start wafting north. And wafting, west. wafting. That's still not here, so I don't know exactly what you were thought you were trying to do, but well, I can't go outside with my fan right now. I'm attached to my computer. <laughs> You're not attached. Well, you have a laptop, don't you? I mean, there are ways around this. Okay. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for episode sixty-seven of Quadrivia, everybody. I gotta go waft some air towards North Dakota. So. <laughs> because I'm a needy bitch. Let's get it out of the way right now. I'm a needy bitch. Uh, anything for anything for our North Dakota friends. Uh, yeah, they need love too. <laughs> All of our North Dakota friends, All who of aren't them. on this podcast, right? Because as we've all learned through the pandemic, North Dakota isn't real. <laughs> but my T-shirt says North Dakota on it. Where did I get this? It's 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 made up. It's fake news. I have uh, a five hundred one social security number. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's North Dakota, so. Oh, is that how those work? That's a forged document. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so my whole life is a fraud. <laughs> Pretty much. So is mine. But Excellent. Oh, all right, sweet. I've got a five. Well, too, so. speaking of frauds, what's and our topic tonight? <laughs> I think I think our topic is how to be a hack and a fraud, or how to write trivia questions. Wow. All right. And uh how Man, to that was a, and that how was to compose a, segues. That was a uh that was a Corey segue I was going for there. <laughs> I just, you know, had to be as as Corey as possible. And I feel pretty proud about that. That was that was pretty spot on. As you I'm just taking a drink, me, you hit the I have a PBR a drink, in the car. You take the hard segue. <laughs> oh. oh there are uh. tears in my eyes now. <laughs> oh. 
See, this oh. is why I asked you, Brittany, to go ahead and just take the lead on things because I'm absolutely with this. So <laughs> I don't know. That was a pretty killer segue right there. Oh well, um, thank you. I, but... I'll go ahead and take it from here then. Oh no, yeah. please go ahead. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say, but if people wanted to learn how to construct better segues or perhaps questions, maybe we could talk about that. Oh, there it goes. See, that is some high quality professional segue right there. Oh, I barely I get paid. The, I, th <laughs> I thought they built a better segue. It's called a hoverboard. Isn't that what those are where you step on and step off and step on and step off and Break oh, no, neck. wait, that's an aerobic step. <clears throat> What's that? <laughs> welcome to welcome to Jazzercise the podcast. <laughs> a podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia you... and into a cardio class and one, and one and two and two and one and two and come on ladies punch the sky one I'm and two I don't know right I now just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of hot topics uh and inspiration or perspiration or whatever it is. Uh you guys have been writing questions longer than I have, assumedly. Uh, how do you find perspiration? I mean, inspiration for your questions. Like, where do they come from? Um, a lot like a lot, my ideas. They come a lot where babies come from. I have no clue. I mean, I'll tell you. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love okay. to say there's. <clears throat> I'd love to say that there's like a a special vault or a special source that I go to every time, but mm -hmm. that that's just not true. I have to, you haven't found the I vault to, under the distillery. No, no, I haven't. No, it's still there. I'm still looking for it. No, I, you have, to, I mean, I, for me at least, I, I have to really search down rabbit holes. I have, I mean, I have to cut out old trivial pursuit games and look at old questions to try to find inspiration. I have to, um, you know, read old news articles uh, or even new or new news articles. I mean, I do. This has been a, a podcast recently, but or an episode recently. But I did. I, I do every week. I do a, a round on current events, so I have to, you know, find stuff from there. And um, and do you find you yeah, get I mean, much there's... resistance on current events? Do I get resistance on current events mm -hmm. from the players or just from writer's block? Uh, do you get any ohm actuallys? Oh, no, not on the current events rounds. No, uh, I, I source check those uh, pretty hard, as I do with the rest of my questions. But um, no, I, I try to uh, I try to keep it as as safe as possible when it comes to writing current events questions. Um, try to keep the amps yeah. real low. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, what about you guys? Where do you find your inspiration? Well, clearly, I find my inspiration by trying to force electrical puns into a conversation. Um, but um, no, I. Uh, We're really sparking an interest here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have my light bulb moments. Um, no, I sometimes it'll just be something I've run across on uh, a TV show or TikTok. Uh, I've taken some inspiration from there, honestly. I've written questions just from memes I've seen on the internet. Like, I'll be like, oh, hey, that's hilarious. And then I go look into it. I'm like, hey, that would make kind of a cool trivia question. Um, hmm. I thought about that. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, you spend enough time browsing the internet, you're bound to find at least one piece of true information, I find. 
So, um, you know, Facebook's maybe not the best source for it, but in a pinch. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least inspiration for it, so you can jump, you know, jump right. Off like a jumping off point. Like, I mean, yeah. um, honestly, like, uh, there's a TikTok user I follow, and I think I've mentioned this on a previous episode, uh, but a TikTok person I follow is called um, the TikTok 10, and it's a guy from Australia who does 10 quick quiz questions in a minute. Um, and so he'll do like rapid fire questions, and if there's something from there that I think is interesting, that I'll kind of like make a note of it in my head and go look it up later so that I can kind of write a question about it. That's good. I like that. Um, I think it's important to note that, and this is at least true for me, you don't always have to think outside the box and come up with a new question. You can, I hate to say steal, but you can take, Mm -hmm. you know, a jumping off point from another question someone's written and totally write a different question. Right. Without it being even close to plagiarism. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, if someone writes a question about the movie Fargo, for example, mm-hmm. I could do a whole set of questions on Francis uh, McDermott, you know. And it, there's just so many different directions you can go, um, you know, t- for things. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people get nervous about again, using the word stealing, which never steal, never plagiarize word right. for word, and don't even take the same idea of a of a question if you can help it. But there are so many different angles to within, especially the way with how some of our colleagues here in the Trivia Writers Co-op, mm-hmm. you know, we throw so many different angles into a, into a question that there's so many different aspects of knowledge and tidbits from a question you can take to, to form your own question about something completely different. Yeah, I uh, I know what you mean. I actually have a round in my game called Jenny's Cozy Misses, where the entire premise is that I take trivia questions that I missed in previous games that I played, and then I use that as a jumping off point to write an entirely new question about it and teach myself some more information. And That's a fantastic idea. Theoretically, not miss it in the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's that's awesome. it's almost like it's almost like taking a miss and turning it into a question stack, kind of like the way some people study for Jeopardy. They sit there, they watch the show, they figure out what they're deficient in, and then they build it. That's the whole concept behind that round. I love it, and I also like the idea. Uh, I do it myself, where you're playing, you're playing a game, you're watching something, uh, like a game show or something like that. Like that's a great source for things. Go out. And go, oh, that's a great idea. I should take that. But don't take it word for word. Do your diligence. Write something unique on it. Use that as your stepping stone to get to a unique, fun question that is in your style. And I think that's another discussion, too, that we'll have a little bit later here. But, uh, Aaron, where do you find... Because uh, I know you write a ton of amazing questions. Some of them for me because I selfishly use you for my own purposes. Um, but Illicit you... or otherwise. <laughs> well, you know, you're finally letting me give you credit for them, so I'll take it. Um, you, but where do you find that you get inspiration from? 
I, to be honest, everywhere. I've gotten to the point where if I hear a little tidbit on the radio, oh, that's a great idea, and I, you take your phone and use it like a note recorder. Don't forget to check it every now and again. But uh, as, as we alluded to earlier on here, checking the news for current events, things like that, but then kind of diving back from that saying, oh, well, what was responsible for this? And then finding the history behind that. And then the tangentials of it. You can build entire rounds off of just one idea that came up from a current event piece. You can build entire rounds just from something you might have seen on TV and gone, oh, that's interesting. I wonder where that started off. It's... It's about finding inspiration. Uh, to the to the be unique thing, I mean, there are plenty of things that can help uh, writers. I know, I believe Corey alluded to it one time, but the but their Jeopardy archive that's kept up with all of the daily shows on it that's a great jumping mm. point for someone. Yes, it to, is. I use that all the time. It's fantastic. <clears throat> And then uh, another great place, and I will drop this in here. I wish they would be on the show at some point. Uh, the Jeopardy fam. Great website, all about Jeopardy. And every day, Andy Saunders, who's a fan, fantastic podcaster, if you haven't checked out any of his stuff, please go find it. Uh, Complete the List is a great show as well, and I will gladly give credit on that one. <clears throat> because I found inspiration from for writing questions in there as well to be to be perfectly frank and if you take a look at his page he'll have the final jeopardy question up there every single day before the show runs but the great thing about it is then he writes a blurb about it read the blurb see if you can find something in there take that for inspiration you can find all kinds of every, anything any anywhere random page search on Wikipedia. That's, yeah. Um, one thing I know that you've done, Aaron, that I want to touch on because I was part of that um, game that you did was uh, you had your love letter to Quadrivia where you had taken inspiration from, I think, the first 39 episodes of Quadrivia and used the keyword challenges to kind of, and reinvented them in your own way. And there's another challenge that comes up on that as well, is trying to write questions that not only use different material. Now, on those Quadrifi episodes, you already had four different styles of four questions. All on the same topic, whether it was the answer, whether it was the question, however it might have been in there, but you had one starting point, four different growth points. Now, how do I create a new point off of that same thing? And I think that's also a part of, legitimately a part of a, <clears throat> a part of question writing is finding your own voice as a question writer. 
how do you want to come across as a question writer? Do you want to be dry, factual? Do you want to inject humor into everything you write? Is there going to be other little tidbits in there? Or is it going to be kind of kind of a you either know it or you don't kind of question? These are all things that plague every single one of us as trivia hosts, as question writers, is that finding your unique voice out there and making it known. That's a good point. Um, how do you feel like you found your voice as a question writer? And how would you, like, what advice would you give to a new question writer who's trying to find their voice? I don't know about Jacob, but for myself, it definitely flows across from my personality. Uh, definitely trying to write broad questions that engross people, a little bit of humor to them, typically something a little bit different. Uh, Wordplay is one of my favorite things to do. I love doing a little wordplay in my questions. Uh, just, I, my style runs very broad and very, very different than some other people's. Um, if you've ever heard, of, if you've ever listened to the podcast here, I would say my style runs more akin to people like, like Jason. Where little factoids, little blips, little pieces in there. That help kind of yeah, steer you I, in the right direction. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I I didn't really start writing trivia un until oh probably the middle of 2020. Yeah, because I didn't start hosting on Twitch until November of 2020. So, um, you know, it was it was hard for me to find my own voice through writing because I had never done it before. Um, and I had been so heavily influenced by James Key, who's the trivia nerd, a lot of Jason, because I just watched him a lot because, you know, what else are you going to do when you're locked down in the house from COVID than just watch a ton of trivia, which I just love doing. <laughs> and, I'm sure other and people Jason... have different suggestions. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's something I, I really, really enjoyed. And, and Jason has, you know, obviously what 10 plus years of experience in the, in the entertainment industry and his, his style of writing is so successful that I didn't really notice my questions changing that much at first. They were very similar to his. I mean, they were my own questions, but I didn't really have a voice, but ever since I got my first hosting gig in person here in Louisville, I've really started to, to realize how, much I've changed in my writing from what I normally what I did back in November when I was just, you know, starting. And uh, I, I have become a little bit more, you know, it or you don't, I try to throw some factoids in to help. Um, but I don't, I've realized I've, I've very much altered my um, question writing style or voice in you know just the last probably four or five months um which is, i think is a is a big deal of growth for me so um just kind of gave me a good starting point and i, I kind of ran from there so yeah i uh i think it's you know definitely interesting that i think all three of us are saying well i haven't said it yet i'm saying it now uh but i think all three of us have taken Jason as kind of an inspiration for our own trivia writing. Um, like I know uh, when, so I started writing trivia 
in January of this year. Um, so 2021 is when I started writing trivia. Um, well, I take it back. I did write a couple of games for some charity events a few years ago, but they were very different styles of questions because um, it was a very different format. But I started writing for like Twitch hosting and stuff back in January. And my first set of questions that I wrote was very straightforward, yeekyoid type questions. And then I actually listened to the first take of this question writing process episode, which was back on episode four. Um, I was around the same time I started listening to Quadrivia and episode four uh, talked about how to construct a question. And I realized that there was so much more I could do with my questions. And so I ended up rewriting almost my entire game um, that I was preparing to present. Uh, about a week before I actually presented it because I wanted to take what I had learned from people like uh, Jason. And I think that episode was um, Jason, Corey, Jeremy, and um, Calvin, I think. Um, and I, you know, listening to them um, offer advice on how to construct a question really helped me and it's kind of crazy that I'm now on take two of the same episode talking about how to write trivia questions, like, you know, several months later, but it it's just, it's weird. Um, but it's also like, you know, I, I think it, that kind of naturally flows into, you know, one of your inspirations for question writing can actually be other question writers. Um you know, for uh, it, trying to find your voice, like, you know, while you're working on finding your voice, you can sort of imitate someone else's voice. You know, imitation is the best sort of flattery or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, it, it's with things like the co-op, it does give us that access to other voices that we can try to emulate while we find our own. Um, like you mentioned, you know, I think we all mentioned Jason, you mentioned, uh, James Key, the trivia nerd, which is like, I always say it whenever he says it on the it's, podcast. It's, like, <laughs> it's so copywritten now. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'll pay the royalties, James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, I just, I was curious as to what you guys would say about finding your own voice. But for me, it's like my voice tends to to tended to emulate Jason's at first but I found that I tend to inject my own like more of my own humor into my questions now uh which is usually very cheesy uh punny humor um and like there's usually at least one bad joke hiding in my questions somewhere I would say um on any given night but I think another way to kind of show your voice and your personality is by the types of question you ask. So when you guys are writing, do you tend to only do like free response questions or do you find that you ask like a mix of free response, multiple choice? Do you like using true false questions? Um, you know, do you do questions that have more than one answer? Like, what kind of styles do you like to use to express yourself? 
I'll, I'll go first. Um, my my game has built in it um, one multiple choice round. So I do six questions that all have a uh, four answer, you know, style thing. So you have a 25% chance to get it right. However, I do make those questions significantly harder because I'm providing you the correct answer. You just have to pick it. Um, so, you know, I never just, you know, you know, what was the first book in the Harry Potter series and then give, you know, four answers. It's never that easy. I actually go quite a bit harder of stuff that forces people to eliminate wrong answers first and, and really get stuck between the last two. That's what I always go for is, you know, Oh, is it, is it this one or this one? I know from, I remember reading about this, uh, some article, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I love making people feel that way. That's the the sadist in me. Um, <laughs> but that's that's where I think trivia is fun because it's it's not impossible and people have to think to get the right answer. And if they get it wrong, they're not super upset. But they, you know, they knew they, that they had a, a, you know, it was a toss up between their two answers, you know. And then I also, my final question is usually always a, a um, what did you call it? A multi-answer answer so you have to you know give me all of the members of the dream team for the 1992 olympics basketball team or you know seven of the 10 original starters from that team or you know i mean usually make it a little bit easier than that but um i do have one of those built into my game every game uh because i think those are important too and i usually save those for the end for harder rounds but yeah i, I try to mix it up i don't like to give free response every time so I'm, I'm definitely the same way where I, most of my game will consist of free response. There will be a f some multiple choice when I do host a couple true false. Cause you have to kind of have something like that in there. It kind of, it, you throw that style of question in there to kind of break up the monotony. Otherwise, you know, just asking free response questions back to back to back to back. People kind of go, uh, my game is designed a little bit differently in that my last question in all of my rounds is a multi-part answer, so you can pick up more points for the answers at the very end. Um, so those de those tend to be a little bit tougher, kind of in that same kind of vein of maybe a bunch of people from the first Dream Team, or, you know. But then it's kind of like people don't remember people that were in the second one, so name me like five people off of the Dream Team 2, and people are just like, well, I can name the ones off the first one. It's like great. That's kinda, not what I asked. <laughs> that's what right, I asked. right. Kind of, kind of dig in a little more. So you know, and I value it like that. Where if I'm going to ask you a true false question, expect me to be a little bit of a dick on that one. Just, just that it's that fine line of it is true. Maybe it isn't true. It could be. It couldn't be. You know, just kind of that. Is it might it play like a little bit like a trick question? It might feel like that to some people, where it's like, but it says the nineteen forties and the answer is the fifties, and I go, yeah, that's why it's false. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, misinformation. I'm, I'm assuming the uh, Dream Team Two is the uh, ones the Monstars stole the basketball powers from in Space Jam. <laughs> I don't know what I consider any of them Dream Teamers. Uh... That's, you know, there was, Charles Barkley was on there. Yeah, Charles, Charles Barkley. Barkley was in there. Uh, I loved Larry him Bird. on Crazy. 
Oh, and Patrick Ewing. On the on the original, original one. But yeah, so I said, no, I said the original one. I said the Monstars from Space Jam. Yeah. Not the Goon not, Squad. Not the LeBron James. We don't even we, we don't even talk about that. It movie. honestly wasn't that bad. I mean, I know oh. I'm going to get hate for that one, but... It, yeah, what, the you, Space Jam movie? Yeah, I mean, if you go into it knowing that it's a Space Jam movie and Space Jam just... you know, it, The first one is nostalgically fun, but it's not like it was a great movie. It's just a fun movie that's like lighthearted and you enjoy it. Uh, and it gives this you that true. nostalgic factor, especially with the Looney Tunes. And the Looney Tunes are in this one, too. And it's like, you know, if you appreciate just the looniness of it, it's fun. Um, I but, just saw the one. I saw one scene of the notorious PIG with uh, Porky Pig, and I just couldn't <laughs> do it. I couldn't do it. I had to turn it off. So, that was where it ended. For, that's where it ended for me. <laughs> Spoiler alert: Porky Pig can throw down a rap. Apparently, um, which is which is slightly frightening. Yeah. Uh, I got us off track there. I sort of apologize. Yeah. No, um, you don't need to. It's fine. Uh, but I guess as penance, I'll talk about what I do. Um, I do tend to have a mostly free response game. Uh, I've found that when I first started, I did try to sort of emulate, um, the liquid courage model with having a couple true falses, a couple of multiple choice questions. And what I found was that as I wrote more and more, and as I brought in Aaron more and more as a co-writer, um, it became less necess- or less of those kinds of questions. And not because they're bad, it's just, you know, it just wasn't how I wanted to express um, myself through my question writing. And part of that also had to do with difficulty gauging. Like when I use a multiple choice question now, it's usually to do with something that you know, or a true false. It's something that I use when I think something's a really cool fact, but probably not a very highly known fact. So I will, you know, I'll use a multiple choice or I'll use a true false because trivia also is about learning. And sometimes you have to find a way to teach someone about something and do it unconventionally. Like if you want to throw some cool facts in there. Um, but yeah, so for me, um, and I do have the occasional multi-answer question where I'll say like, uh, name both of this blah, 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 or uh, there were three states that didn't do this thing or blah, 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 name two of the three. Um, but my final question is also built into like a multi-answer style uh, because it's multi, well, I guess it's not really multi-answer style. Uh, it's multiple questions, so there is more than one answer by design, but there's only one answer for each question. So I guess that is still very much a free response type thing. Uh, so I that's that's where I tend to find myself using multiple choice and true false now is when I have something that I think is just of such a difficulty level that without giving people choices, no one's going to get it. Yeah, <clears throat> I know the the um, the school of trivia writing uh, by Jason uh, would teach you to put a multiple choice question. I think he does in every round. He does. He does uh, a multiple. Yeah, he does at least one multiple choice question and one true false question in all of his rounds. 
except for like the... his round five, which is unique every week. So. Right. I think that's important, especially for, you know, this kind of gets a little bit off topic, but in terms of game flow mm-hmm. um, and giving players who are maybe struggling a breather, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think throwing in a multiple choice question after you've asked because at least they're not having to pull an answer out of their out of thin air. Right. You know, they have a choice or their butts. if it's a if it's a or their butts. Yeah. Whatever wherever it comes from. Yeah. Um <clears throat> they have they, they have four answers in front of them that they can choose from. And I think it just allows them to think a little bit differently. Um and and really like I said before, it becomes a it becomes a game of of elimination as opposed to oh my god, I read the I I knew this answer you know in fifth grade what the hell is it and no okay now I have four answers I it can't be these two it has to be one of these two and I just it's just nice to give the players a different kind of thought process just for a question. Um, I'm. I'm curious for the two of you with multiple choice questions. Uh, When you write them, do you give any thought into what order you put the answer options in? Uh, So for me, I do them in alphabetical order. So that way, like people can't try to game theory. Oh, well, she's less likely to put it as the first or third one. So it's probably one of the ones in the middle or um, that kind of thing. So I, try to avoid game theory or metagaming with that. So I just go alphabetical order, but I'm curious if, if that's just how my brain works or if other people do the same thing. I, I exclusively use Triv now on both mm-hmm. my Twitch platform and in live uh, play. So mm-hmm. uh, the, and for those of you who have used it or maybe who haven't used it, uh, the, the program will list the four answers in a, mm-hmm random order on the screen so that the whole point is for that people can't see other people on the position of their screen to figure out what the answer is so i always just read whatever order it comes in on on my display okay so now it's randomized there i just read the four answers from there gotcha i wasn't sure if the machine has um... has randomized for me yeah so like i put the options in the text of my question as well because i use triv now as well um so I yeah, put the I used answers to do in that. the text of my question and I put them in alphabetical order there because I know that it gets randomized. Right. Um, yeah, I used to, I used to actually put them in the text, but mm-hmm. then I realized, you know what? The system already does it for me. I don't, I can eliminate all game theory at that point. And there's, you know, okay. so that's, that's what I do. Aaron, do you find yourself giving that thought or? Uh... Mm, yeah, I just kind of go fuck it. Uh, <laughs> I write them down. Which is the I best theory a, of all? Which is, which is a great theory. Uh, when I when I put them down in order, I mean, is there some thought? Well, maybe sometimes there's a little. But sometimes it's just like these are four options that work, and it doesn't matter what order they go in. You're gonna throw somebody off because they're gonna think about. They're gonna think about is that the actual answer? Is he trying to game theory us? Is there other things that are at play at this one? So no. Uh, for my end, I just try and pick. F- three, four, five very interesting, very plausible answers and just kind of put them together. For me, uh, if it's, I mean, what? however you're comfortable, for me, if it's a well enough written question, 
order really shouldn't matter too much. But I have to admit, I do like just every time alphabetical. Because people expect that then, and then they're going to know going into it, there's no theory on this at all. We have no idea where the answer actually could be. Um, yeah, I guess I sort of touched in there on um, I use multiple choice and true false now for difficulty gauging. Um, when you're writing questions, how do you gauge your difficulty? Like, do you... I mean, I, I would as assume we all kind of think about how difficult is this question going to play. Like, I know when Aaron and I go through the questions for my game, we'll talk about, eh, this one might play a little rough or um, something to that effect. Like, we'll have a conversation like that from time to time about, uh, I think this one is going to be hard uh, or I'm curious to see how many teams will get this one, but it's a good question. Um kind of thing so do you guys uh, you know I guess I just mentioned Aaron having that conversation but Aaron do you have that in your other games as well where you uh, go through and try to gauge and guess how many teams are going to get a question as you're writing? Oh absolutely and the way you kind of think about it is as a question writer as a host you kind of know that the audience that you're trying to reach you know the people that come to your games do you know the people that are going to play along with your stuff so you tend to write a little bit more towards those audiences. Uh, that can change over time, as of course, but you do also keep in mind the people that will be playing along with you, and you try and keep it to a level. It doesn't always work like that, because there are times I've written a question that I'm like, oh, pff, everybody's going to get this one. 100% get rate across the board. Nobody's going to miss this one. And, like, two teams will get it right. Or I'll ask a question that personally I think is difficult, and everybody nails it, and they're like, that was too easy for that question. So it's, uh, as far as question writing, you try and get the question so that there's a way to get to an in on it. Get a couple ways in, unless it's very, unless it's very factual. What is the capital of Belize? I mean, you can you can dress it up a little bit, but I mean that's pretty straightforward. You either, and in that case, you either know it or you don't. And in that kind of question, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, in that, in that kind of question, it's either you know it or you don't. But there's no clue that's going to let you know. Well, that's the name of it, you know. You. The, the, you find that out. You find out that there are questions where you can lead people to an answer. There are questions where you just can't. You just ask the question. And you have to have that kind of balance across where it's the the you either know it kind of questions or you have the helper questions. And that's a style that's along the lines of true, false, multiple choice. It's a style of question that you're trying to get people down as well. And I think that kind of gets ignored as well when it comes to open-ended questions is sometimes you have the dry and then sometimes you'll have the a uh, little muddy but we can get we can get through that so um so you just said open-ended which i called it free response but when you called it open-ended it kind of brought to mind situations where 
can you make a question too open-ended when you're writing? Um, and like, that's where and how do you avoid in, that? That's where adding in that information, you know how I said you can kind of give extra information in there to lead players to the right answer? Same thing with that. By adding in more information, you're actually closing off avenues of open response. Okay. Because, like, I know I know that uh, sometimes you'll run across a question where it'll be like, uh, John Smith and Pocahontas did this in 1852, which I know that time frame is not right, uh, but those are also just names that came in my head because Disney. Um, but it'll be like, give one reason for the T Act of 1773 or something like that. Um, you know, I don't know what those had to do with each other, so uh, don't at me, people in the comments. Uh, but like, in order to reach, in order to reach Brittany, her email is uh, at Third Degree Entertainment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's where all. That's where all the goes. That's where all yes. the email goes. That's where the penguin told me I was supposed to direct my complaints. Um, and the penguin is always right. Yes, yeah. uh, but no, like, so for me, I feel like there's certain ways you can phrase things um, as far as when you're actually writing the, the meat on the question or the bones of the question before you put the meat on. Um, and it's like, there's ways you can ask the same information using different words. So you could say like what, you could say something like what happened in I don't know, 1773 that led to the Boston Tea Party or something like that. Um, but if you ask it that way versus saying, why did the Boston Tea Party happen? Technically, those are both valid questions, but asking why is a lot more open-ended than asking what to, to me, to me, uh -huh. there's always two styles of questions, open-ended, closed-ended. True, false, multiple choice, those are closed-ended questions. Because there is a very specific answer. We are giving you the option, and you just simply have to tell us. True, false, yes, no, here's your choices. Open-ended just simply means you could put down... You know, who was, the, who was the ruler of England in 1642? And you could say a blamange from space. Thank you, Monty Python. <laughs> there, is, there, there is only one right answer for that specific point, but you can write down whatever you want to just to fuck around with the hosts if you feel like it. No one's going to tell you no at that point. So to me, open-ended, closed-ended, open-ended, free response, same thing really but you 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 also <laughs> you're talking about the why uh trivia should not be philosophy questions <laughs> you shouldn't be asking you shouldn't be but why no uh they should be you should have a very specific answer you're leaning towards but people can write whatever they want yeah i think a, and that that's also why it's super important for us as trivia hosts and trivia writers to research uh, questions uh, because um, 
you know, there there could be there could be another answer that's that's correct that you don't even know about. And and obviously we can't catch everything. It's impossible and and we're doing our best, but you know, it is just kind of that extra step because if there is another answer that could work based on how you've written your question, then, then you, you have do to take it. What Aaron said, and you have to kind of add in some some bumpers, if you will, just to kind of guide them to the right answer that eliminates maybe another answer that could be correct. Um, um, I don't so. know if you intended to segue to this or not, but where do you do your research for your questions? Like, what is your Mostly research 4chan. process like? 4chan is my biggest. Uh, I just stick oh, to yeah. 4chan. And okay. Just, yeah, I mean, loads of all truthful information in there. So um, I've heard nothing but good things about 4chan. <laughs> nothing what good things nothing but good things yes um please do not use 4chan as your research information to any new any new trivia writers out there disclaimer disclaimer just don't (laughs) you know everybody kind of is on the fence with wikipedia um I, i use wikipedia as a number one source and then i try to source it at another location if i can and the good thing about about Wikipedia is they also source, you know, outside, um, you know, for lack of a better word, sources, uh, to to, you know, solidify what they're what they're saying in the article. So that is usually a big help. Um, but I also just kind of do Google searches on my own to make sure that everything I'm writing is, you know, not complete horseshit. Um, sure. So that. Because you never want to be the host who gets an I'm actually every other question because you didn't do your homework. Right. Um, and so I always take my extra necessary steps um, to make sure that I'm guiding my players in the right direction to an answer that I knew that I, I eventually want them to get to uh, without making it too confusing. So. Do you find that you try to um actually your own questions when you are researching them? Um, sometimes I try to put myself in my player's shoes. The problem is I suck at trivia as a player. I think Jay from Smarty Pines Trivia and I have have had this conversation many times before. Uh, we both are just terrible at trivia. Like whenever I go play Jay's games, uh, Jason's games at Liquid Courage, I feel abundantly stupid uh, because I just can't. I can't pull questions out of my ass or, or answer my ass like that. Um, but I have to, when I'm writing questions and I find a, a snippet of information that um, I didn't know before. And so I write the question around it and I would figure that people have some sort of, um, you know, knowledge of that, at least that area of the question that they could pull out an answer. I always try to throw it to other friends and kind of do a quick play test I throw questions in the in the trivia co-op all the time. Like, hey, is this a fair question? Is this worded correctly? Could this be mistaken for XYZ? You know, please just, you know, scrutinize the shit out of it. Because I want it to be airtight when I present it at my game. And I always get excellent feedback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I think you have to unactually yourself to an extent because you don't want to be the fool at the front of the class that's 
you know, having to constantly go back and look up, you know, other articles of things that could be, uh, it's just not fun for anybody. So you check yourself before you get wrecked yourself? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. That's more the formal way of putting it, but yes. <laughs> uh, Aaron, similar question. You. Re research. <laughs> and uh, do you um actually yourself? Research anywhere and everywhere. I think I think Wikipedia is a great place to start. But I'm kind of I've always been kind of that idea on uh like if you were a journalist almost. Take it from that tack. If you can, two sources. Find a source, back it up with another source if you can and not using the same source either, something else entirely different. If you can do that, that's a dead, that's a locked in stone cold. But there is, there is flex and I think you do need, so I've gone to, I go to the library sometimes just to check out old books, read things. Uh, you know, if you're writing around on culinary topics that's a great place to go and do that sort of thing oh boy you can look at all recipes all day long but what about the history of a dish you know library great place to go still sorry. underutilized sorry what's a library I, a library is a place with these things called books uh-huh all right do they have books, backlighting uh they have front lighting oh i'm not following at all. That's fine. Nobody follows anymore. <laughs> or you can follow me at. Uh, oh. Oh. Came in for the kill. Yeah. Uh, but I'm with I I I am in full agreement. Though you do you do need to um actually questions. If you can, because if you can think of a second answer, someone else out there is going to think of that second answer. So you need to make sure that it does not fit and that's where you start to get into that style of writing questions with little extra pieces of tidbits of information a little bit here a little bit there that the more information you give in your question likely the more easy you can make the question but also the more focused you can make the answer as well that's a good point um i too generally start at wikipedia for research um depending on what i'm looking up honestly um if i'm researching something about like a series of books or something i'll go to the author's website and check stuff there um i will look at wikipedia but i'll also do a search just on the web aside from that to see what other see what else pops up and I will admit, when I'm, I'm actually myself, I've had times where I've found secondary information that conflicts with my first one, and I've thrown questions out because of it. Because I'm like, I don't, I don't know which source to trust on this, and so let's not even open that door, and I'll throw it out and approach it a different way. Uh, and then I will also... Uh, kind of like Jacob said, I'll toss it out to people on occasion. If, you know, if I have time, I'll toss it out to people to say, Hey, do you mind playtesting these? And I've had a few that, you know, they'll play test and they'll give me some feedback and they'll say, Oh, I really like the way you worded this one. Or I think that one's going to play a little tough. Or uh, maybe if you want to add some clarification to that, it wouldn't hurt. Um, but 
so it, you know, it's, it's a great resource. Uh, but you know, and also like Aaron said, you know, when you get to a point, if you can think of a second answer, that is where you start adding things into your question to narrow it down more, focus it, uh, really try to, uh, make sure there's only one nail for them to hammer. Um, and I know that there are several other episodes on how to add in hints and make interesting questions in the Quadrivia episode list. So we won't dive too deep into them on this episode because they have been touched on um, previously and rather recently, I think. So, um, but for newer writers who are wondering kind of how you put those hints in there, uh, go look at the backlog of episodes. There's stuff there to listen to. And some of it's really good quality. So um, actually a most of things. it is. <laughs> I'm on one of the episodes, so I won't say that they're all good quality, but it's they're uh, all good quality. Yeah. No, there's uh, a lot of good information there if you want more details on that. But uh I don't know. Uh we've been kind of chatting for this for a while. So do you guys have anything else that you don't think we've touched on yet? Um as we kind of make our way around the round table. No, I I think um I think that's a good place to stop. Um you know, keeping in mind especially if you're new and you're you're listening to Quadrivia as kind of a a guide in helping you write trivia questions. There's no perfect, you know, format or or style that is is going to work. I mean, that's the glory of what we do is that our own personalities and voices come out in our question writing. And if it was all the same, no one would want to play it. Um, and, and keeping it unique to you and still fun and trial and error is huge. I mean, you're going to have some just questions and nights that will just flop. And that's okay, you know. Learn from the mistakes and and try something different next time. Um, but there's, it just takes time. That's what I've really noticed is, and I'm still working on, you know, my question writing still, and I'm not even close to where I want to be. But it's it's just evolved so much over the last what ten months now, nine ten months, and um, yeah, just just come a long way. Yeah, you bring up a good point, like with, you know, you're right, your voice does really come through. And if all trivia was the same, yeah, people wouldn't want to play it as much. Uh, I I think you do make a really good point there, because I also find that uh, with the writing, like if you're writing in someone else's voice, it doesn't feel as genuine when you read it or you don't. Like something I write may be presented completely differently by you than it would be presented by me. Um, and so it does help, I guess, when you're expressing your own voice rather than someone else's. Um, Aaron, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about as part of the roundtable? No, I think that's I think that's a great way to sum it up, actually. Find your own voice. Make sure that you do your due diligence when it comes to question writing. Uh, be unique take inspiration from every 
thing. And make sure you find time for yourself to write. You know, coming up with your own voice, coming up with your own words, that's the key to it all. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is that coming up with time to write uh, thing you just mentioned? It's very important to come up with at least 15 minutes to write a 50-question game. Brutally important. Take that time, and you'll be fine. Did you say you 15 be. minutes to write a 50-question game? Sure, because 15 minutes or more can save you 50 questions. Oh, wait, that's something else. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> time to move on. We have, oh, we have speaking now of, Speaking of uh, things that we need 10 to 15 minutes for, Aaron, do you want to introduce our keyword oh, challenge nice. for this week? Well done. Well done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. this, as every week here on Quadrivia, we feature our keyword challenge. This is a portion of the show where you, the listeners, provide us with specific keywords, and we, the somewhat competent writers of trivia, try and craft a question around your keyword. If you are interested in submitting us a keyword, you can either do so by sending it to us at quadriviapod at gmail.com or at quadriviapodcast.com. Feel free to do either of those, and you are more than welcome to listen along and see if you are chosen. This week... I'm giving double finger guns because our our if nobody knows me out there, I love Australian rules football. And this week our keyword comes from Squid Bear. Squid Bear, great person from Australia. They're asking us about the very, very sensitive subject of thong. So while while we think about that, we're gonna take about fifteen minutes here and uh contemplate that while we're doing that why don't you contemplate this porny ad break and we are back from running our keyword challenge all of us took about 10-15 minutes to write a question about the word thong either being in the question itself or in the answer that being said Aaron please grace us with your thong question my thong question goes a little bit like this. Featuring performances by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Eleanor Tomlinson, the 2008 movie Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging was the first PG-13 film released by what film studio? Whether or not Clarissa explained anything for the cast has yet to be determined. Okay. Uh, Jacob... I think I know who he's referencing, but I'm not entirely sure the name of the studio. Do you? Yeah. Um, do you know what the studio is called? Well, Clarissa knows best is is the uh, is Clar the hint in there. Yeah, Clarissa explains it all, and that was Melissa Joan Hart. And I know she made a film studio company. I'm trying to remember what she called it. I don't remember if it was like Heartbeat Films or just heart films heartbeat kind of sounds the you know, your guess familiar. is as good as mine i honestly i honestly don't know this one based on the film okay. studio so if you've got a inkling towards something i'd say run with it okay uh i guess we'll go with heartbeat studios mm. would it help you if i told you you went one step too far is it just Heart Studios? No, no, no. You were trying to figure out who Clarissa was. 
when you should have stopped at is where is Clarissa from? I have no idea. In the case well, I didn't on, actually watch she, the show. I just know the name of the show. But the show was on Nickelodeon. And yes. the answer is Nickelodeon Studios. Oh. Mm. See, I didn't know they had a film studio, per se. Yep. Um, uh, it actually started in 1996 with the movie Harriet the Spy. Mm-hmm. Oh. I remember the orange tapes. Uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles was through there. Um, I'm just, I'm not even looking at, this is just coming from when I looked at it earlier. Uh, the A series of unfortunate events with Jim Carrey was actually a Nickelodeon Studios film. I did uh, not know that the, at all. Okay. The Rugrats yep. in Paris movie. Rugrats in Paris movie. Uh, all the SpongeBob movies. Teenage Mutant Ninja makes... Turtles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. I'm a dumb dumb. That makes total sense. All right. Yeah, I went too far because I was thinking that I, I was pretty sure Melissa Joan Hart had started her own film studio or at least her own production company. So, yeah. No, that's it's a solid question. I just I overthought it. So. All right. Uh, I will go next. Okay. Uh, here is my thong question. R&B singer Sisko became widely known for his single The Thong Song in February on February 15th, 2000 and garnered four Grammy nominations. However, what song actually was his biggest hit released on the same album and his only number one hit in the U.S., topping both the Billboard Hot 100 chart and the Billboard Hot R&B Hip Hop Singles and Tracks chart? Uh... Unfortunately, music gotta, trivia is not my strong point. I've got a guess. Yeah. I've got I've got a guess. I'm not sure if it's it. Uh, I want to say. I mean, there was only so much he had, and I know he had more hits with Drew Hill than he did with Cisco. But is it incomplete? It is incomplete. Yes. <laughs> nice pull, Aaron. From, yeah, from that same album. Um. Yeah, that was his official number one hit. I pretty much only heard of Cisco because of the Thong song, so I was a little surprised to see that Incomplete had done better than the Thong song, but it had. So, I mean, I it was just one of those things that I just didn't know. Um, I like I like the question. It makes it's gonna make you think about something outside of just the thong song, and that's the one thing that's gonna get stuck in people's head when you say Cisco. That's the first thing that pops up right in there is the thong if song. If I had so a little bit more time, I would have massaged in a a hint. I was trying to do some wordplay with the word incomplete. I just like it's with late unfinished and unfinished or something like that. Right, my brain okay. is just not not functioning well this time of night. So yeah. Uh, have me do this, you know, at two o'clock on an in an afternoon. I should be okay, but uh, gotcha. Yeah. No, I I think it's a fine question as it is. It it does play like you said. You've come to write more. You either know it, like you either know it or you don't. Questions and this does play very much like that. But it also is good for teaching people that Cisco had more than one hit, which exactly. I, it, my understanding is a lot of people don't know that. But you know, if you're also like me and you just don't know a bunch of music stuff anyway that unfortunately was never going to click with me yeah and i I'm, i i own that album so i apologize <laughs> don't you apologize for owning the album <laughs> but not to not to cisco resident of maple grove minnesota i oh. did not apologize to him you know i didn't know he was a resident of minnesota well, spotted at cub foods every now and again oh yeah i thought he would live in san fran 
internet legend. Boom. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so speaking of booze and things that just aren't related to Cisco, I'll do my song now. Or my song. Mm-hmm. My, yeah, you have to sing question. your question. Oh, please don't make me sing it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, no, my thong snapped is a line you could hear on the set of a swimsuit shoot or a concert sound check because a thong is also sometimes known as a G-string. On a six-string guitar using standard tuning, what number string is the G-string? I'm fairly certain that E is the top and bottom. Mm -hmm. They're just like two octaves apart or one octave apart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it goes up in fourths. So E A D G. So I'm gonna say the fourth from the top mm-hmm. would be my guess. The f- well, and technically, when you look at a guitar neck, the way the way of a a chart is written and the way that tablature is written, tablature is a enumerated form of notes on a guitar neck. Right. Uh, you actually look at it from a top-down perspective. Okay. So as your hand would reach up and around, the string closest to your chin is actually the sixth string, whereas okay. the string closest to the floor would be the first string. So actually the G string should be the third string. And this is one of those interesting, possibly I'm actually moments because when I researched this, it's standard tuning goes from low to high. Mm-hmm. And um, st- standard tuning does go from low to high. And everything I was reading said that the first string was the low E. Mm-mm. Yeah, I guess we have to get clarification on from yeah. what direction. Um. Well, so, yeah, and I thought I covered that with standard tuning because... Yes, st- uh, standard tuning goes E A D G B E. That is a standard tuning, where low E and high E are the same. They are just two octaves apart from one another. Right. But high E is actually your first string, because if you look at a chart, that's actually going to be the top string on the chart, and then the low E is going to be the bottom string on the chart. Right. So if it's high E is the first string, then it would be A is the second string, then D is the third. No, 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 you're going you're, you're backwards. Because oh. it goes E, A, D, G, B, E, A, E, left to right on the chart. Uh. But when you look at a chart, you're actually looking at it, you're looking at it left, right, but you have to read it top to bottom when you read when you read music charts. So the top string is actually the high E, and then it goes B, G, D, A, and E. And trust me, I've broken enough G strings in my lifetime. I bet you have. You, uh, you, uh, you, you sexy beast, you. Right. That's pretty much me. So this is one of those cases where I would be forced to take either answer. So I totally did this as a learning opportunity for all of our listeners out there and not because I just didn't know that information. Because basically what I need to do in that case is clarify 
the um, direction of the because yeah. I was thinking of reading just chords, not on a tab, just on a chord. So I would call it the fourth string. But because I didn't pin it down well enough, I think I would have to take the third or fourth string. Mm -hmm. Because I'm thinking looking at um, just chords and not necessarily tablature. Yeah, okay. So that's one of those ones where I'd have to take both answers uh, because I didn't pin it well enough. And that happens. Yeah, so... Uh, that's actually a really good real-life example of you know how that works and you know what life goes on and we're all good for it so yep so if you want to go tell us how much my question sucks and vote for one of didn't the other suck. two didn't suck. <laughs> didn't suck didn't suck well if you want to go vote for one of the other two better questions uh you can do so on quadriviapodcast.com or quadriviabuttface.net um Woo. and uh yeah so my answer was four you could have said four or three, I guess. Um, I know it was a good real life example, but honestly, I'm just kind of annoyed at myself. So <laughs> um, if you want to be annoyed with me or just go vote for one of the questions that was factually correct, you can go to uh, quadriviapodcast.com and follow the links there. And we also want to say thank you to Squibear in Australia for providing us our keyword. Thanks, Squibear. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Squibear. So speaking of questions that aren't terrible, Aaron, I think you have a game for us. I do have a game, and it was actually kind of touched on earlier. Uh, something that I wrote a long time ago was a love letter to Quadrivia, and it was me taking the first 39 episodes, taking all of the uh, keywords out of them, and writing my own set of questions out of it, something we had touched on earlier. And now, tonight, I will be sharing ten of those questions with you, <laughs> our, our suddenly panicked listener going, my god, we have to relive the early days of Quadrivia now. <laughs> Alright guys, well it's been fun. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna head out. My name is Aaron with... Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, did I black out for the entire game? <laughs> <laughs> weird, it's weird, my internet went out right during that whole thing. <laughs> Crazy how that worked. Uh, so Jacob, you want to team up for this and see what we can make? Yeah, work? I think we're gonna have to because, like I said, I, I I just fucking suck. So okay, uh, we'll just kind of see what happens, and and may God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> mm -hmm. Aaron, you want to get us started? I think that's a that's a fantastic idea. And you know, what? Oh, are we doing ten questions? We're doing 10 questions. Oh, God. All right. Let's do this. We can We're going to throw a mix let's... of everything in here so that you can kind of get a feel of how it all went down. Let's uh, strap on our thongs and and go. Uh, my thong on... snapped, as I said in my question. So. Oh. Well, mine's incomplete. <laughs> and a, a strap-on is something entirely different. But let's jump into the game here, <laughs> shall we? The first question tonight comes from a very early episode where the keyword was teledo. The teledo is, as we all learned, more commonly known as the one with the badger ass juice. No, that will never be lived down. With a slightly different pronunciation, it's something entirely different. What modern marvel can be translated into Welsh as teledy? Spelled the same 
just a slightly different pronunciation. Yeah, so my guess is it's gonna... Well, it's Welsh, so it really could be anything. That didn't sound like it had enough vowels or consonants to be Welsh. Um, But I'll believe him when he says it is Welsh. He sounds like a Welshman or whatever. I don't I don't know. There's a He runs like a Welshman. <laughs> um <laughs> I Teledu. Yeah. Like, I mean Teledu is just... Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say Teledu. Oh, it is Teledu in Welsh as well? The pronunciation is Teledy. Oh, okay. Um It is a slightly different pronunciation. Okay, so I know in the UK the telly is like a television. Yes, 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 yes. I'm following. Um, I, I suppose that could be considered a relatively modern Marvel. Yeah, I would say, I would say TV is a good guess on that one. Yeah. Um, or something related to the telly, like an antenna. I think that's less modern than okay all right well i say that i mean i guess you would need an wait would the antenna come first or the television well the antenna probably for radio frequency yeah probably Uh um so let's say television and cross our fingers and hope that the welsh also use kind of telly sounds for their televisions turn on tune in your answer is television hey Hey, we're going to retire there. One for one champions. <laughs> We've done it. We won. We, we beat Quadrivia. <laughs> there you go. Quadrivia Question. the game. Everything that no one wants to play. Anyone? Okay, go ahead. Is it the home game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. play along? Question number two. Oh, I think I have to use this one. Uh, question number two is going to be penguin. Aw, penguins. 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 Uh, tipster, Ping- move on. Yes. So, no, I'm just that, that is correct. Uh, created by Spiel de Yara's winner, David Parlett, the solitaire game called Penguin, where one must move cards from their tableau to the finishing beaks, quote-unquote beaks, by way of seven, quote-unquote flippers, bears a strong resemblance to what other solitaire game? Your computer probably has a copy of it, right now uh okay so how much solitaire have you played jacob i've played quite a bit of like standard solitaire and spider solitaire back in the day so there's i know there's spider solitaire i know there's klondike although i think that one's just called solitaire there's um one that's kind of shaped like a pyramid yes i don't Um, know what it was called i think it's called pyramid and then okay. there's also Free Cell. Yeah, but Free Cell, Free Cell had the same look as Solitaire, if I'm not mistaken. Or it's just like, it was like rows of, I don't know, I haven't seen a Free Cell game in a long time. But I don't remember it having any kind of specific shape. Okay. Uh. The Pyramid one sounds... Somewhat down the right path here. Um, Yeah, I guess with seven flippers, I guess I'm trying to think of what a flipper would look like. Because I feel like a pyramid doesn't look like flippers. No. 
but like your standard Klondike and Free Cell have seven columns. Spider Solitaire, I think, has eight, so I think we can rule that one out. Yeah. Um. So maybe it has to do if maybe it has to do with the thing at the top, like. So I know in Klondike, there's only four places to deposit your cards. Is there more than that in Free Cell? You know, I I honestly can't remember. It's been so long. Okay. Um, like I haven't played a Free Cell game in like probably close to sixteen or seventeen years. Okay. So, uh, do you want to be Klondike and I'll be Free Cell and we can rock paper scissors it? Sure. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, scissors. shoot. I put on scissors. I put on scissors, too. Um, All right. Rock, rock, paper, paper, scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. I put paper. I'm rock. All right, so you win. Okay, we'll go with free cell. All right, free cell. Your answer is free cell. Holy (laughs) shit. And that's why the rock, paper, scissors gods... (laughs) Are to determine all things. I'm glad we both thought to say what we threw because it occurred to me we're not playing this on a visual medium. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors may not have been the best way to go about this. It, w- it was the best way. Yeah. Let's be honest. It was definitely the best way. Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron. All righty. Question number. Question number. Three tonight is going to come from the Supreme Court, was the keyword. Here's your question. True or false? The Supreme Court of the United... (laughs) Boo, thank you very much. No, that's someone else's gimmick. The Supreme Court of the United States has a prominent sign politely asking persons to refrain from playing basketball while court is in session. You know, I want this to be true, even if it's not. I do too, but I I can't imagine... Well, actually, I I really honestly feel like I remember reading somewhere that the Supreme that Court there's a basketball does court actually in the have a court. and it's called the highest court in the land. That I yes, think. you know what? I think we just shoot for true because mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm fairly certain there's a basketball court in the Supreme Court because I think I remember listening to this episode and I think Aaron was on it and she said something about there being a, a basketball court in mm-hmm. the Supreme Court building. I don't know. Uh, you know, I say we go true just because if nothing else, we really want it to be true. Agreed. Agreed. So true. Oh, oh, I'm I'm sorry. The correct answer here is true. Yay. <laughs> Damn, we are killing it tonight. <laughs> yes. Well this done. is uh, this is the dream team. Brittany in here. Uh, we, we are the 1992 dream team. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> the 19... 19- it, so is that the first one or the second one? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Check, it is check your the phone, one. Check your phone and see if Christian Leitner's calling you right now. That's all you need to do at this point. Uh, Who is that? Oh, That's not the God. next okay, question, four. right? Question four. Question four. Question four. <laughs> question four. I've got to get it loaded. Uh, question number four comes from... Oh, you're talking about Solitaire earlier. Let's talk about Spider. Spider hmm. is number four. Abandoning his love of baseball to follow in the family business, who ended up ditching their original moniker of the Spider and rose to the top with a new one thanks to their mother 
1974 Reader's Digest article that foresaw a two-word phrase becoming the next hot term. Okay. Uh, so... Okay, I, I think there's a couple clues in there that I picked up on. Um, he said... I'm trying to think of the two-word phrase. Yeah. And he said 1974, is that what you said? 1974, correct. Okay. So that means it was probably like... Uh, let's see. Uh... So moniker would apply would imply probably he switched to a different sport. Yeah. And the only sport I can think of where monikers are popularly used would be wrestling. Unless yeah. you know of other sports where you would use monikers. No, I think okay. I think that's that's a fair assessment. Okay, so the other clue that I think is in there is Rose to the Top. And I know there's that guy, the wrestler, whose thing was about cream rising to the top or something like oh, that. Oh, a Macho Man, Ernie Savage. Oh, Macho Man would work as a two-word phrase for 1974. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Isn't that about the yeah, right time for Macho Man by the village people? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's let's shoot for that. Uh, so Macho Man, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, that's Randy Savage, right? Yes. So Randy Macho Man Savage is our answer. Oh, I am the cream. Yes, your correct answer here is Randy Macho Man Ooh. Savage. Oh. Slap it to a Slim Jim. Wait, okay, so based on your impressions, that's the guy who does the intro for Triviality, right? That's exactly the person. That's exactly, yeah. Okay. uh, He is sorely missed. Uh, One of the best. Was he also the one who did the Space Mountain review, or is that Ric Flair? that's Ric Flair. Okay. Yeah. Everything I know about wrestling I've learned from trivia and not from actual wrestling. If you ever get a chance... To watch the original Slim Jim uh, commercial that he was in. Mm-hmm. It's gold. Okay. Uh, it's like him trying to act in Romeo and Juliet and like breaking down <laughs> walls like the Kool-Aid man. It's fantastic. <laughs> anyway. Question, question five. <laughs> and quite frankly, all anyone else can remember is bone saws, ready? Yes. The keyword on this one was Batman. Na-na, Here's na-na, your question. Na-na, na-na. Which of the following is not a Batman? Floronic Man, Petrified Man, or Atomic Man? Which of the following is not a Batman? Batman, Batman villain. villain. Oh, okay. Floronic Man. I missed the word b- villain. I was like, <laughs> or well, none of them are Batman. Man. <laughs> um, I'll be honest. Uh, comic books are not my forte okay. at all. Um, comic. I'm definitely more of an MCU person myself. Um, I, I mean, I do appreciate me some Batman. Um, so based on... So Floronic Man, um, based on how it's spelled, either sounds like a villain that would deal with fluorine 
or would have to do with plant life. So maybe as a sidekick to Poison Ivy or something. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that. There already is a villain that's based around plants and flowers, uh, and that is Poison Ivy. So, okay, you know, I would say that's probably the lowest on my list okay. right now of, of like real ones. Petrified I could definitely man. see there being like, yeah, someone who's who's. I mean, that just sounds like somebody who's scared all the time. I suppose yes. it could be somebody who turns to stone or turns. That's what I'm thinking of. Like he okay. can like Medusa people or something. And like. I mean, if I know anything about Batman, all the villain names are just punny as all get out um, and say exactly what they do. Um, So Atomic Man would be someone who goes nuclear. But I'm trying to think of if Atomic Man might be from maybe the MCU. Mm. But I feel like because, well, the only reason I'm thinking it might be Atomic Man isn't the right one is because I think DC has the Atom, which was like their version oh, of yes. Ant-Man. Yes. So would they have an Atom and an Atomic Man? I don't I don't know. Uh pick a number between one and three. I like one. I, I don't think it's Floronic Man. Okay. I'm just gonna it's just, Let's just go the with gut Floron- feeling going like Let's so. go with the gut feeling. Because I really okay. don't know. Well, let's let's just say in about sixty million years, this would be a villain that Poison Ivy would not be a fan of. This oh, is Petrified Man. Man. Oh, yeah. I knew it had something to probably do with like you know fossils or some shit. Yeah, what a it's terrible petrification. Villain. Oh, okay, they're all terrible. It's like Polka Dot Man. Who needs that as a well, villain? Well, apparently, there's. I mean, if I remember from one of the Quadrivia episodes, there's like a date man. Calendar man. Just, okay, calendar man. Gregory yes. Day. Yes. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. like, what the hell, bro? Anyway. Well, I is mean, it Gregory Julian Day? I think it's Julian Gregory Day. Is it Julian Gregory? Oh, I think so it's Julian bad. Gregory. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bad either oh. way. I mean, Both of those names are definitely it. there. It's Orange Julius, man. Mm. <laughs> Should we go on to question six? <laughs> That's my favorite. Question six now? Okay. <laughs> question, question number six. Although Joseph Hooker, or by the way, the key word here is Civil War General Joseph Hooker. Okay. So have fun with this one. Although Joseph Hooker was the leader of the Union Army, was a leader of the Union Army, there's a good chance he was never a hooker, a position in the Union version of this sport. Oh, I think this is actually a sports thing that I know, which is rare for me. Get out. A hooker, I want to say I've seen that in... Uh, rugby? Okay, rugby is what I was thinking. So I'm glad you're kind of on the same page. But I'm I think it's either like rugby or cricket. Yeah, I I feel like or I feel pol- like union no. rugby is a phrase I have heard before. I don't feel like I've yeah. heard union cricket before, but I feel like yeah, I've heard the phrase union rugby. Let's do let's go with rugby. Okay, we're going to go with rugby. And your correct answer for number 6 is rugby. Hell yeah. Yeah. With not without number five, we're still hundred percent. Let's keep going. All right, number seven. The keyword on this one was blue ribbon. I wonder who would have approved that one. Your question. Is it the cordon like water. <laughs> <laughs> the cordon blue schools are some of the most prestigious cookery schools in the world. Fittingly, 
their CEO and president has what last name, which is more associated with a sweet liqueur. Okay. Uh, well, it's probably something French. We. That have French sounding names. I don't I'll be honest, I am I do not know liqueurs at all. Um Yeah, the only thing I know for sure that's French and alcohol is champagne, but I also know that that's not a sweet liqueur. That's champagne. No, it's a, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh trying um, to think of what alcohols I own. Oh, um liqueur. I bought a bottle of Cointreau or Cointreau, however you say it. It looks like a French word. I bought it for um, uh, Cosmos. It wouldn't be Cognac, would it? Oh, it could be. Well, that's not a sweet liqueur, though. That's, that's like a what... brandy. Okay, all right. Um, I might have to bet to to bet on this one. I, I okay. am. I I'm. Showing them up with even any liqueurs. Okay. Have you heard of Coin Coin True Coin I have not. No. Okay. Um. I'm gonna go with my gut on that one, just because it looks like a French word, and I know it is sweet. Because it's kind of like it's kind of like idea. fancy triple sec. Okay, let's go for it. Okay, so our answer is gonna be. Cointro, Cointro, Quattro, Quattro Cinco Seis. That's not. Uh, that's no, bad. this is no, this is uh, Pregunta Siete. Sorry, uh, <laughs> it's question seven. <laughs> but uh, I believe the what you're looking for is Quattro. Oh, is that and, how you say it? Yeah, it's pronounced Quantro, and the person's last name, or the person who is the head of Cordon Bleu now, is Andre J. Quantro. Oh. Oh, I say we get that. Oh, I'm. We can't. We can't that, that here. He okay. just asked. Right. He just asked for the last name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had it. No, I hey. didn't. I just asked for a name. It says the president has who's, what last name? Whose last name? Yeah, whose last name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got that. So, hey, I Yay. pulled that out nice of my pull. butt. Nice pull. Question number eight. This came from the episode where we had the word catch 22. <clears throat> 18, 11, 17, 14, and 22 might be the sequence of digits Joseph Heller went through to get to the name of his acclaimed book. But none of those figure into Catch-22, a third season episode of what ABC series with its own numerical sequence. Okay. Um, that is true. A third season episode of what ABC series with its own numerical sequence. So, okay. So my first thought was numbers, but then I remembered that's a CBS series, not ABC. Right. Well, and I would figure that it would have to be like 
literal numbers in the title of the show, right? Maybe? I mean... I mean that's, that's how I'm reading the question, unless I'm just reading it wrong. Okay. Uh, so like, I'm um, just trying to think of any shows I can think of that have numbers in the title. Well, like... Um, uh, uh, 90210 or, um, but I have no idea if that was on ABC or not. I, I don't um, think it was. I don't think it was either. Uh, uh ABC series on the Miracle Sequence. I don't know. I'm lost on this one. Yeah, uh, was, I might. Is Grey's Anatomy ABC? But that doesn't have numbers in it. Right. Uh, I'm. I think I'm just completely lost. Yeah, on this I'm gonna one. have to bet on this one. I, I don't know the answer to this. Um, yeah, I think we're lost on this one, Aaron. Are you lost on this one? Oh shit! It's lost, isn't it? Oh god! Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> she was trying to get you over the line there. I, I saw wasn't what she actually. Oh, <laughs> no, I. I so dumb. Because the sequence is 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. None of those numbers appear in the sequence that Joseph Heller came up with. And yes, that is the sequence in the series Lost. So I honestly was not trying to get him over a line at all because I've never seen Lost. So I was just thinking too, literally, with a numerical sequence in the title um, yeah. of the show. So, okay. And ABC, yeah, absolutely. absolutely Do we get credit for that show. one? Oh, absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's our Why show. Not? We do whatever the hell we want. Okay. Corey and Jason can't tell us <laughs> otherwise. So. Fuck it. We'll do it Suck live. It. All the right. The next one. The next one is the word was percussion. The word was percussion. Often heard in a variety of styles of music. From hip-hop to Latin and everything in between, the distinctive-sounding percussion instrument known as a vibra-slap was the first patent issued to what musical instrument company? So, whenever I think of percussion instruments, I think of um, the cymbals that always have that... Uh, oh, Zildjian? Yes, with the with the Z word that Jeff yeah. always talked about on that episode, but I don't think this has anything to do with that. Uh, um, it could be Zildjian, but another company that made a lot of musical instruments was Yamaha. Okay. Um, but I I don't have any gusto behind that. I have no idea if that's right. Uh, uh, vibra. I'm trying to think what the vibra slap was. sounds like. Uh, or even visualize it. Wait, do that. Oh, again? that. Okay. Yeah, that sounding one. Only you can pitch bend it. Yeah. Um. um I know exactly what you. I know exactly what it is, but I um, I couldn't tell you who patented it the, the first time. Uh. Although I don't think Yamaha would be right now that I think about no, it because it says the I mean, first patent issue. Yeah. I'm not mad at Zildjian, but I'm but also Zildjian... kind of like, yeah, because I know he hosted this game on Jason's channel. I'm also trying to, I guess, meta game and decide if he would do some sort of douchey trick question, and like maybe the company's just called Vibra Slap or something like that. 
Mm. He would do something like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't uh, yeah, hate I don't... Zildjian because I know they do the cymbals. I'm trying to remember if they also do drums. I think they do. They do. Yeah. But I but I would be willing to bet that Zildjian's been a lot, around a lot. And they probably got a patent for cymbals before something like a vibrous Correct. Lap. Because if, if I remember correctly, Zildjian got that patent like, or started making cymbals like hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to go with that one. Okay. But the correct answer, is, I just don't know. Do we um, want to take a wild guess and say that maybe he did a DTQ and yeah, and just go with Vibra Slap? Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Let's do, All right, let's do that. We're gonna go with Vibra Slap. So there is a person in this community. Uh, someone called him Fearless Leader, and it's Jason. Mm-hmm. And he does this thing called the douchey trick question. Mm-hmm. But what I wanted to know was this instrument. This percussion instrument, which is often heard in Latin music, is manufactured by the company Latin Percussion. Oh, so this was oh, a DTQ. Picked the wrong word, damn it. It's, just... it's, 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 it's like a douchey split trick question. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, we, we figured out that it was douchey. We just picked the wrong word. So we, are, we get half credit. All right. That's how these rules work now. Well, yeah, let's see if you can absolutely. let's see if you can now make it eight and a half or ten on the night. Okay. Your final question. The keyword was harpsichord. Mm-hmm. In the early twenty first century, theater goers were enthralled by a monarch lamenting the loss of a long distance relationship, all set to the melodic strains of the harpsichord. Inspired by the musings of a doctor who never believed it was lupus. What is the three-word title of this heartfelt ballad? I know this one. Uh, like, well, I I just picked it up. So, the lupus thing makes me think of Gregory House. Yeah. Keep on that. Okay. How familiar are you with recent Broadway, Jacob? Mm, not super. No, okay. not super. Uh, were you listening in 2015? Anytime uh, after 2015. Probably. Or did you perhaps watch Disney Plus last July? Well, okay, I think you're going towards Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so well, there's a song in there sung by a monarch. King George. I'm trying to think of how that fits with House. Oh, uh... I, I know the connection there. It's it's really just more of a hint to get you to Lin Manuel Miranda, who guest starred oh. on House. Wait, say what you just said again. Lin Manuel guest starred on House for a he bit. He did. Yeah, he was on four or five episodes, I think. As who? Uh, so spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen House, but in the season where House goes to rehab. Uh, Lin Manuel Miranda was his freestyling roommate. No way! I had no idea that that was him. I haven't watched House in years. Yeah, so. I I believe the song he's looking for is "You'll Be Back." Is that right, Aaron? Is it right? Well, based on the musings of one Gregory House, 
as said to Lin-Manuel Miranda when they were on set, yes, Brittany has it all pinned down, it is King George III saying, you'll be back. Ah, okay. He will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of his love. Yes. And that okay. is it. That that was my love for quadrivia, as I still have it to this Aww. day. So does Those that mean when episode uh, when episode uh, seventy nine hits, you'll write another love letter? I probably will. And I'll write different questions to the ones that I wrote on the episodes that I was on. <laughs> yeah, this was these were great. Yeah. These were really good. Yeah. The, um, talk about like a master class in question writing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is this was great. Very well done. Yes. I do I I remember some of the questions from the keyword challenges from some of these episodes. These definitely were distinct from those, and I think that's it's it's definitely a challenge to do, and you handled it splendidly. Yes. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Jacob, if people want to find you and your well-written questions, where can they go? Uh, they can go to twitch.tv slash Solo. Uh, I also host in a live event here in Louisville, Kentucky on Tuesday nights at Off the Rails uh, Tasting Room and Wine Depot. So come out and see me. Um, you can also find me on social media at hindsight trivia. Okay. And, uh, Aaron, if people want to find you and your excellently written questions, where <laughs> if you go? want to find me, you can find me on Facebook at trivia smash Fargo, or just come to Fargo, visit me, have a beer. I'm more than welcome to that. You can also find me at trivia live.io and Brittany, if people want to find you, where would they go? If you want to find me and my questions, plus some of Aaron's well-written questions, you can find those at twitch.tv slash Pond. That is G-I-N-N-Y-P-O-N-D. Uh, Friday nights at 9.30 Central for Ginny's Cozy Quiz. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Ginny Pond. Yeah, Ginny Pond 314 on Instagram, where I don't post anything. But <laughs> you're still there, so who yeah. gives a damn? Yeah. So and just, uh, just think about pie, three one four. And if anyone is looking for quadrivia in general, uh, you can email us at quadriviapod at gmail dot com with keyword suggestions, uh, funny anecdotes, or topic suggestions uh, for things you would like to hear us discuss. Uh, you can also find us at QuadriviaPod on Twitter and at QuadriviaPod on Facebook. And you can also find us uh, and submit your keywords at QuadriviaPodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on whatever streaming service you're on. Please leave a review for us. Please, please, pretty please with sugar on top. And with that, uh, let's do our classic outro. <laughs> She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like, like what, what, what? 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 Baby movie butt, butt, butt. But. I think I'll sing it again. again. She had dumps like a truck. Where do we go?
bananas in pajamas are coming down the stairs. <laughs> bananas in pajamas are coming down in bed.